Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at Proper 8. Proper 8. We are in the second half of the liturgical season, the ordinary time, as they call it. And we are in the calendar of Sundays after Pentecost. Sundays after Pentecost, which lasts for about six months until we approach Advent again later in the uh, year usually at the end of November or the beginning of December. Now, we have been looking at three different uh, texts. We've been looking at 1 Samuel, Acts, and Luke, and we will continue to do so in this program. You'll notice the scriptures that are in your program, and we have them listed for you so that you will be able to look them up and read them. And I'm going to spend a few minutes sharing some of my thoughts and ideas with you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord, your walk in the scriptures, and your reading of these uh, great scriptures that I think will bless your life in Christ. Well, when we left off in 1 Samuel, we saw that Samuel's children really weren't the best, and the people were very disturbed by that and said, you know what, you're getting old, and your kids didn't turn out very well, and we want a king, just like the other nations. And God did not take that very well. He saw that as an affront to him because he was their king. They were in a theocracy, but the theocracy in their mind wasn't working very well. So he granted them a king. That king was Saul, who turned out to be the first king of Israel. And I closed out that section by reading chapter 10, verse 1. Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you? leader over his inheritance. So the whole idea about anointing kings with oil and pouring that on them, then the Spirit of God comes on them and the Lord leads them and uses them as king. So we continue on with 1 Samuel chapter 10 and he gives them instructions as to what they do. Verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. Remember, I just said the Spirit of the Lord. And you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, verse 7, do whatever your hands find you to do, for God is with you. So, what we're going to see is that Saul directs, is directed by Samuel. Samuel is going to direct Saul into the ways of the Lord. Samuel, remember we said last week, was the last judge. Now we're going into the kingship period. And ultimately, Israel is going to have Saul, David, and Solomon. And what we're going to find find out later on is that the kingdom is going to be split in the northern and southern kingdom. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, verse 9, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day when they arrived at Gibeah. A possession of the a procession of prophets met them. The Spirit of God came upon them in power, and he joined in their prophesy. So the Spirit of God came upon this king, and now he's being led by the Lord to do the things of God for the people of God. Okay? Long live the king, chapter 10, verse 24. So you want to be reading this? Again, we're in a history book, and you're just reading about the history of Israel. Now, what you're looking for is to understand the context of which God operated at that time period and the relevant and important revelational aspects of what God is trying to share with us in Scripture. And then possibly 
Learn for yourself how you and I are to act before the Lord. Verse, seven, uh, verse 14 of chapter 11. Verse 14 of chapter 11. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and there reaffirm the kingship. So he is confirmed. So all the people went to Gilgal and confirmed Saul as king in the presence of the Lord. Then they sacrificed uh, fellowship offerings before the Lord, and Saul and his Israelites had a great celebration. So they're very excited. Everything's going well. The Spirit of God is working. This is a wonderful person. Israel is going, to, is going to be able to defend itself and support itself and get some leadership. People need leadership. And they believe that the kingship is the way to go to get the kind of leadership to help them. In chapter 12, oh, quite a famous chapter is his farewell speech. This is uh, Samuel's farewell speech. It's very, very good. Um, he says in verse 5, for example, The Lord is witness against you and also is anointed his witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness. It is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your forefathers out of Egypt. So again, we go through this history lesson. They never want to forget what God has done for them. Stand here because I'm going to confront you with evidence before the Lord and to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your fathers. And then he talks about Jacob and what happened uh, as God began to bless them and take care of them as their ultimate king, if you will. He says in verse 14, chapter 12, If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey him and do not rebel against his commands. Where have you heard that before? Deuteronomy. And if you, both you and the king, so the king is added, different from Deuteronomy, who reigns over you to follow the Lord your God, good, but if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. First Samuel chapter 12, that's been in Joshua, it's been in Judges, it's been in Deuteronomy, it's been in Exodus, it's been in Numbers. It's amazing how important that text is. Okay, so we want to remember the Lord we want to obey the Lord. We want to do what he says. Verse 24, be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Do not do evil. If you do evil, you're going to have a serious indictment against you. Samuel rebukes Saul in chapter 13. You have verses 5 to 18. He rebukes him. Saul was 30 years old, verse 1, when he becomes king, and he reigned over Israel for 42 years. Just kind of a good, for those of you that wanted to know how long he lasted, and when he started, there it is. And Saul offered up a burnt offering in chapter 13, verse 9. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? He says, well, I saw that the men were scattering, and you did not come, and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought, now the Philistines will come against me at Gilgal and have not sought the Lord's favor, so I com felt compelled to offer a burnt offering. Listen to Samuel's response. You have acted foolishly, chapter 13, verse 13. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time, but your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and appointed him leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. This was a harsh indictment against Saul, and now Saul is in very serious trouble, and his kingdom is in danger. 
In chapter 14, we have Jonathan attacking the Philistines. And um, Saul bound the people under an oath in verse 24 of chapter 13. Cursed be any man who eats food before evening comes because I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. We're going to begin to see the interplay between Saul and Jonathan and eventually with David. So you're going to see how Saul is just slowly going to go downhill because he refused to do what God said when uh, Samuel confronted him in chapter 13. That's a very, very important chapter. And in chapter, uh, at the end of 14 on Saturday through verse 30 is what we're going to go through. So please slowly but surely read this history. Lots of good information. He says in verse 37, the Lord did not answer him that day. Ugh. If God's not responding to you, you're in trouble. So lots of history here, lots of information regarding the kingship of Saul. Saul had quite a few things that he did quite well and quite a few things that he did very poorly. For those of you who know the rest of the story, we're going to see Saul take a tremendous dive. And uh, it's it's a very tragic thing. When we uh, pick up next time, we'll look at chapter 15, the Lord rejects Saul as king. Wow. Back to Acts chapter 7. Back to Acts chapter 7. What I love about the Bible, it's, it doesn't sugarcoat it. it. I mean, it doesn't sugarcoat the problems that people have. It doesn't sugarcoat the what God does to those people that do not do his will. We saw that with Annas and Sapphira, as I said last week, the previous two weeks, uh, in chapter 5, where they are killed because they... Um, they lied to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. In chapter 7, we have the death of Stephen. And as I said last week, Stephen is sharing with us what God had done in the Old Testament. And um, he says in verse 51 of chapter 7, he says, You stick stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Now, this is not a great way to win friends and influence people. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have re- received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious, gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is verse 55 of chapter 7. Look! I see heaven open and the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. And they covered their ears and they yelled at the top of their voices. They rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. The road to Damascus, chapter 9 of Acts. His name is Paul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Very much like Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he said this, he fell asleep. And so instead of saying dying, he just fell asleep. So this is Stephen, first martyr for the faith, dies for the faith. They stoned him. The clothes are laid at this man named Saul, who was a notorious persecutor of the church. 
and a very dangerous person for Christians. And Stephen, ordained one of the first deacons, suffers for the faith. We celebrate his feast day, by the way, at the end of December. In Acts chapter 8, we'll look at Acts chapter 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church, verse 1, at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So godly men buried Stephen. They deeply mourned for him. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them into prison. Very dangerous person. Then we see Simon the sorcerer and Philip in Samaria. Again, evil spirits came out of many. This is verse 7. Many paralytics and cripples were healed. There was great joy in the city, continuing to do ministry. God raising people up, doing ministry through them. Simon the sorcerer um, sees them, uh, Peter and them, laying hands on people. Uh, and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, baptizing people, um, lots of miracles. And when this guy um, saw that people received the Holy Spirit, he wanted that gift too. Uh, But they said, your heart is not right before God. In verse 21, you have no part or share in this ministry. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Verse 23, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. This is Peter's answer to Simon the sorcerer. Simon said, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So they continued in verse 25 to keep preaching the gospel. The angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south. So an angel of the Lord is leading this person. You read this in chapter 8 of this phenomenal miracle that takes place in chapter 8. So in chapter 7, we have Stephen delivering this incredible message about the Old Testament and what God was doing in the Old Testament. And at the end, he dies. They stone him. Saul is wreaking uh, havoc upon the Christian church. And then we see this tremendous ministry of Philip in Samaria and then Philip at the end with the Ethiopian, this tremendous miracle, and then Simon the sorcerer and Peter uh, and their ministry, and this person wants to have the same kind of ability and skill to do that, and they rebuke him for that. In chapter 9, of course, as I said earlier, is the famous chapter, very famous chapter about this man named Saul, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples in verse 1. He goes to the high priest, and he asks him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so they found any there who belonged to the way, the way, Christianity, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He's going to Damascus. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, verse 5. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, a man named Ananias went to pray for him. Now, Ananias was obviously scared to death of this man, but 
the Lord said, no, you're going to be okay. So he placed his hands on Saul in verse 17. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see him again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, verse 18, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, this changed the church profoundly. We have the 13 letters of Paul from uh, Romans to Philemon or Philemon. And we have all that, those beautiful letters that we've spoken about uh, in this series. And uh, so the move of God and the power of God to move upon Saul, who was not looking for God, not looking for the right way, thought he was doing the right thing. God stopped him on the road to Damascus. Ananias was raised up, and we'll later see quite a few other people, Titus, Timothy, Barnabas, Mark, will come to his side, Timothy, and be active in his ministry. And so Acts chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, very different, but God is doing something in different sectors of the Christian population. And it's a beautiful thing to see as we read the book of Acts together. Let's go back to Jesus. Remember when we left Jesus last time, he has been arrested. He predicted uh, Peter's, um, Peter's um, denial. Peter said, of course, I'm not going to do that. Um, he went into Gethsemane, Jesus, and prayed that the Father would take this cup from him. He sweated drops of blood. It was so agonizing, so terrifying. Of course, God said, this is, this is what we got to do. So, no, um, this cup is not going to pass from you. You're going to do this ministry. Jesus um, goes to the chief priests. The chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders had come to him in 22-23 as we start our time together. Um, and... Um, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you didn't lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. So now Jesus is arrested. So he went from going from Jericho to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem. He hangs out for a while and does some ministry. Takes on the Jewish leaders. Then when it's time for him to die, the time has come. He has the Passover with them. And then goes to Gethsemane and prays. And then Judas is used by the Satan himself to um, be a person that turns him in, that betrays Jesus. Remember, he famously says, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Now we see as we go through the text that you have listed on your program, Peter is now going to disown Jesus. And we see that in verses 54 to 62. No, I don't know him. Verse 57. I, I don't know who this is. I don't know what you're talking about, verse 60. Just as you were speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now, Matthew, Mark, and John do not tell us that. This is very strong. The Lord looked straight at Peter. Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Not once, not twice, three. He went outside and wept bitterly. The soldiers began to mock him, beat him, blindfold him, insult him. He goes before Pilate and Herod. He's asked if he's the son of God, and he says, yes, you are right in saying that. 
this to the Jewish people was blasphemy. Can't have that. We cannot have this guy subverting our nation. Pilate doesn't find any basis of charge against him in verse 4 of chapter 23. We're now in chapter 23. He learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction in verse 7. He sent him to Herod. Herod was greatly pleased because he wanted to see him. They dressed him in an elegant robe in verse 11. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends, verse 12. Before that, they were enemies. Pilate examines him and finds no basis of charge against him, neither does Herod. He doesn't deserve death. I'll punish him and release him. So he's this close to getting released. The people cried out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown in prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Barabbas was a bad guy. Dangerous. Pilate appealed to them again. They kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke, why? Verse 22, what crime has he done? I found no, find no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. Verse 23, but with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. Verse 24. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder and the one that they asked for and they surrendered Jesus to their will. Now Jesus did not have any sin at all and he's being exchanged by a person that was an insurrectionist and a murderer. So they lead him away to be crucified. They seize Simon of Cyrene who was on his way in and helped him carry the cross. A large number of people followed. Two other men, both criminals, were led out to be executed also. They crucified him at the skull. One on his left, one on his right. Jesus outside the city. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. He had no clothes. Everything he had was taken away from him. He died with nothing. They sneered at him. They mocked him. They mocked him. If he's the Christ, save himself. He chose not to save himself. Of course, he could have, but it was not God's will for him to save himself, but to die for us, for the sins of the world. They continued to mock him. They offered him wine, vinegar. They called him. They had a sign that said, the king of the Jews. The criminal, one of the criminals was hurl, hurling insults. The other one says, don't you fear God? Verse 40, we are getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and famously says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, today you will be with me in paradise. And so this closes our scriptures on Saturday. Next week, we'll see the death and burial of Christ. A horrific example of torture, unfair trial. His disciples fled. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. Christ goes to his cross and dies for us. And so we see this extraordinary man who went through an extraordinary time for you and me. Well, there's a lot to think about. And we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 10 with Saul and Samuel and Saul's anointing. And then Saul does well and then he starts doing poorly. 
And then, of course, we go to Acts and we see Stephen dying at the end of chapter 7 and God doing some pretty amazing things in chapter 8 with Philip particularly and Peter in the middle of that chapter. And then chapter 9, the person that's terrifying anybody, everybody, is met by Jesus on the road to Damascus and the world history changes profoundly in that one action of God. Isn't it great to read the scriptures and to see all the wonderful things that God is doing and what we can learn from them. Well, have a wonderful time of reading, of prayer, of study, of reflection. I hope you enjoy this week and we'll see you next week at the Daily Office Lectionary. God bless you and enjoy your week in the Lord.